You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Elena Kafitz, and I'm super excited because we have one of our scholar and residents in the house today. Please welcome Paige Walker. Thank you. Paige. Hi. Great to see you. Yeah, you as well. Okay, Sage, tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Kick it off. So my name is Paige Walker. I am the owner of Renew Education. I started educational consulting just about under a year ago. I originally started out as a teacher. I was working, started in the public system, quickly realized that um, the public system, there were so many gaps and there were so many things missing. And I was really looking for more um, not just out of my professional teaching experience, but really wanting to make sure that I was reaching students and getting professional development to better myself. I ended up moving to um, the independent school system, uh, which was great. I had worked in a few different schools and loved those environments. And I feel like those environments really shaped me to figure out what type of educator that I wanted to be. And then I had my daughter and as life goes, <laughs> everything changes again and kind of rebooted myself and started in educational consulting. So my family and I live in the Durham region. We moved here um, when my daughter was a month old. So that was also a fun journey as well. And yeah, I've just been working with different families right now, helping them advocate for their kids in the school system and also helping parents navigate what type of private school environment is going to be best for their child, depending on their individual needs. I love that page. So you, you're a mom, you're a teacher, you come out of teaching, you become this educational consultant and you sort of orbit this ecosystem where you're guiding parents and giving them advice about how to sort of um, get through school because not everyone knows. It's not like a, it's not a one size fits all, even though it is kind oh. of a one size fits all. And tell <laughs> it us, tries to be. <laughs> tell us about private school. What mm-hmm. what is private school? Let's just break it down a bit and take it down to the why why private school? Why does it matter? What's the difference between private and public? Can you just take us yeah. through the very basic rudimentary differences between private and public? Yeah, I think my, so my first exposure to it was when I was in my master's program and we had options for our practicums and it was, oh, do you want to be in a private school or public school? And I really wanted both experiences being at UFT. I was like, okay, there's so many different school environments in the area that I want to explore. So my first exposure, um, so there's a difference. There's private schools and there's also independent schools. A lot of the time we just blanket them and say private. Um, Typically the independent schools are these big schools that are run by board of directors And then we also have the private schools. The private schools are run um, usually by an owner who typically can also work as the, yeah, sorry, one sec. Can also work as the teacher, the administrator, the admissions person. There's so many hats that they wear. Um, But basically in a private school or independent school environment, it is very much catered to individual needs of students in, in the terms that the school has the ability to shape what their mission is, what their values are, and the types of services and offerings they're going to have to students. So whether that's based on extracurriculars, 
or supports in the school. A lot of the time, too, parents are paying a hefty price to work, or sorry, to send their child to a private school. Um, so parents are offered different experiences than they would be offered, let's say, in a in a traditional public school environment. So it's definitely not for everybody. Um, there are many different types of schools, though. I think that's the important thing to note is a lot of times parents think of very specific schools. And they think of the price tag and, oh, I, I don't think I'd be able to send my child there. But there are many different schools along um, different financial ranges that parents can send their children to. And there also is a lot of scholarships available yeah. and financial assistment, assistance that parents are actually not really sure exist. Um, so students who come from a low-income family and they're looking for a different environment for whatever reason, there are financial um, support options for them. Paige, walk us through what are the reasons that parents might want to explore private versus public? Because this to me is fascinating. I'm thinking about the stuff with my own kiddos. Why would anybody explore private versus public? So a lot of the families that I've either worked with um, now educational consulting wise, or when I was a teacher in the public school system, or even as a tutor, a lot of the times parents were coming to me and saying, or students that I was working directly with in the private school that I just recently left, um, Paige, the school system isn't understanding my child. My child has a learning need, whether their child has a learning disability, ADHD, autism, the list goes on, or they just feel as though their child um, needs enrichment. So if their child's also gifted, they need a different school environment. So in the private school system, parents are usually coming there because they need something different. The public school is not meeting their needs of their child. Or sometimes later down the road, parents are looking for a private school environment because they want their child to have different experiences. So example, um, the IB program, a lot of different international bachelorette program. What is, I, schools what, is IB, that. what is IB stand for? International bachelorette program. So that's a program. It's I don't know too, too much into it, to be honest with you. I'm still doing a lot of research into it, but there are some specific schools in Toronto who are accredited for that. Um, and parents want that because it's going to provide their student, their child with a different setup and environment when, for example, if their child wants to go to university or college in the States um, or they want to go internationally, it's going to provide them more of a um approach that's going to kind of reach across different countries. So um, parents have a lot of reasons. A lot of the parents that I speak to, they're at their wits end with the public school system. And they feel as though um, they've tried for years. Their child was diagnosed much later, kind of coming on grade five and grade six, and they just don't know what's left for them in the public school environment. So parents that I work with, unfortunately, are kind of at the point where they are willing to do whatever it takes to send their child to private school because they just haven't gotten the support that they need in the public school system, which is really unfortunate because it's not at fault of the schools and the teachers. It's, it's the system, unfortunately. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because I think about sort of this tiered system that we have and access, right. Mm -hmm. And there are sort of this, this, this belief that if you go to a private school, it's because you've access to resources. So therefore it's really a privilege to have access to better education. So I'll give you an example. Is, right? yeah. I, I grew up in a pretty affluent neighborhood and mm-hmm. there's a girl's private school next to my school, like next to my, where I grew up as a kid. I didn't go there. I went to, I'm a public school kid my whole life. Yeah, same. <laughs> I love public school. Um, yeah. But as a parent now, I want to explore my options. And I'm saying mm-hmm. the difference of my, you know, somebody teaching grade 11 English 
who was a Harvard professor versus somebody who, you know, went to OPEC. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, there's obviously a huge difference in the experience that those kinds of kiddos are going to have. Can you speak to yeah. that? Just sort of this conversation about privilege and access. Yeah. So that is a hard part. And that was a huge, um, a huge hurdle, I think, for me when I was switching over from the public school system to independent private schools was that I was going to be interacting with many different families um, in the public school system. And in the independent private school system, it was going to change dramatically what that looked like. Um, So I think one of the most important things was that I was aware of that and knowing that the children that I was working with majority of the time. So again, not always students do come into schools with financial assistance. Um, and some schools that I know of in particular are trying to become better at that and provide opportunities for students from different, um, socioeconomic backgrounds to attend their schools. And I think it's getting better. So in terms of that, I feel like it is important specifically in the school that they're in for the children to recognize that and realize that as well. I think because that becomes a huge issue when students are not aware of the privilege it is to go to that school environment Yeah, that not all children have access to these types of supports. And I mean, it needs to be developmentally appropriate. You're not necessarily going to be speaking to a four and five-year-old about that in the same context as you would in grade nine and 10. Um, but a lot of the time that's conversations with students as I feel they've gotten older, the students that I last work with in about grades seven and eight, they were becoming a lot more aware of that. And they were becoming more aware of the options that they had in the school environment that their peers on their street at home in their neighborhood did not have. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a, a harder thing. And I, I do think the school that I recently left as well, they're doing a great job with that. They're really trying to make sure um, that in terms of like diversity, equity, and just discussing opportunities that's becoming a forefront in the conversation, which I think is definitely a good step forward. So let's talk about a page. I, I actually had lunch with a friend recently and her kid mm-hmm. is, is I would say ex- he ex- has excelled in school and, and they, they, they are just people of privilege of means. And she, mm-hmm. told me she applied for her son who's 17 applied to eight U S colleges and every school that is like, you know, considered to be top ranking sort of in Canada um, but that in order to get into those schools, it's not like when I went to university and I had to have like a 77% average to get in, I had to get 85 <laughs> yes. or 90 to get it. What the fuck is this happening? <laughs> Talk about access just to basic education and yeah. taking kiddos into university. If, is university and college, like what, what gives today Paige? Like what, what, works? What, what isn't working? Cause to me, it seems like a bunch of maybe the value proposition that maybe university once had is, is not really there anymore. Can you talk about that a bit? Would you mind? I think, yeah, I think it's definitely changed. I mean, I don't know too, too much in terms of universities and colleges in the States. That's not really my area of specialty, but um, at least I did work in an admissions office at an Ontario university when I went there. And I, I mean, I had more of an experience of you, you need kind of like this normal average range. And there's also so many circumstances that surround it. I think in terms of the like U.S. system, it's very different in terms of international applicants as well. And students, yeah, they definitely need to have a very high average in conjunction with all these other extracurriculars and things that they're doing outside of school. So I think that definitely changes the landscape of the students who are able to apply to the programs. Right. Um, so a lot of the time too, parents do think, okay, I send my child to private school 
here and then they're going to have better access to schools in the United States later, right? Because they're going to see the school that they came from, the opportunity that they had. So unfortunately, sometimes that is the case. However, I tell parents too, like I went to a public school in York region and I had a student at my school who ended up going to Harvard, right? So it's not necessarily just if you're in a private school, you're going to get access to those schools. Um, I'm sure it definitely does come in favor. And as we know, sometimes the more privilege you have, it opens up more opportunities and more doors for you. So it's definitely something I feel like is slowly coming to change. I don't think in terms of Ontario universities, again, I haven't really done too much research into this in the past. Probably last time I looked into it was like nine years ago. Um, But in terms of Ontario schools, they're not necessarily looking at what high school you came from in terms of your admission. They're looking right. at what your grades were, what your extracurriculars were, and that's what their f- focus and forefront is going to be. And so, Paige, a lot of our, our, I mean, this is, I'm actually quite interested in this topic because I think mm-hmm. for me, I'm making decisions now about my kids' education and my kids are five and three. When, I know. when do these conversations really start to matter? Did the, does the primary school system really inform, sorry, does okay. the primary school system really inform sort of the other what when are we setting course is what I'm saying is yeah like, I, I went so I'll give you so, I went to I went to, I'm asking this quite honestly yeah. I went to a very affluent public school where yeah. all the kiddos were overachievers it was a collegiate people mm-hmm. took their academics really seriously um everyone was very college and university obsessed um starting from the ninth grade and sort of people came into the ninth grade from eighth grade like wearing their college hoodies of where they were going to go. You know, it was sort of that obsession. Um, And I didn't come from a family where I had any allegiance to any particular university. So I felt like I was out of school a bit because I didn't care what university I went to. I just wanted to try anywhere that would accept me because I skipped half of high school. Like I literally was smoking Mm -hmm. cigarettes on the front porch of high school instead of going to class. Um, And probably until the 11th or 12th grade that I started to button up, you know, Um, and understood the value there. But a lot of the kiddos that I went to school with um, did extraordinarily well in life. Like I'm looking back now, if I was to look at my 20th year reunion, mm-hmm. they did extraordinarily well. And a lot of them um, um, dropped out of university, right? They didn't necessarily wow. finish or they went to college and did things that were extraordinary. So I, I believe I just also want to set the very clear on this, that there's not one way to roam. Um, no, there definitely is not. here. Um, but I do think that there is sort of a gold standard that people want to get their kids educated. And my question is, when does it matter? Does it matter in, oh, this is what I was getting to. When yeah. people came to my public school in the ninth grade, there was mm-hmm. a huge difference of sort of preparedness of some of the kiddos that came from eighth grade that were privately school educated versus kiddos who came from public school. Meaning I found my colleague, my friends, my peers in the ninth grade who had come from pub- private schools had a level of discipline and ability to learn that was just far superior to people who had come through the public school system. So to me, I've always thought about like, if I'm going to sort of bleed money on the table here, is it for (laughs) high school or is it for elementary? What do you think? I mean, my personal preference. So I, a lot of families have talked to me about this and my before I got into this, my focus was on the early years. I loved kindergarten. I loved understanding children before kindergarten, after kindergarten, everything along those lines. Um, so my focus and my husband and I have already had this conversation. I said, my level of understanding of the development of children at that age, that's, that's my jam. So personally, I do believe the early years are the most important. Um, you're setting the foundation for your child's educational career and where things are going to go. 
And a lot of the time too, specifically in kindergarten, our public school kindergarten, there's, there's been a new curriculum that came into place years ago, which is fantastic. However, um, the ratios in kindergarten are very high in public school. So again, it depends on the school you're in because the way numbers are ratioed across the primary grades, but typically you're going to have about 30 kids in a public school kindergarten class. Sometimes it can be more than that. Sometimes it's less, but it really depends on the school environment. Then you're looking at private independent schools where you could have anywhere from 10, usually to a maximum of 18, but even in that maximum of 18, you have two teachers. Um, it's funny. So I, I'm just anecdotally, and I'm fine. I just wanted to interject here that my yeah. kiddo started JK at the beginning of COVID and in his right. life class, no, he thrived yeah. in JK. That's good. Okay, good. Because the ratio was 14 kids with two teachers and he did so well. And then in SK, he was suffering because mm-hmm. it was 26 kids with two teachers. And I had an aha moment being like, holy shit, he does so much better with one-on-one. Like he just yeah. thrives. He needs that one-on-one intention. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. Continue. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, my focus, and this is what I want parents to know too, is that just because your child's in grade six and you've quote unquote missed the boat, you haven't missed the boat because you want to send your child to private school. It's There's a number of factors that are going to come into play. School is a small part of a child's life, right? Like they do attend it for a long period of time and five days a week. However, it's only one piece of the puzzle. So I think that's important for parents to remember as well. Um, But if parents are thinking, okay, my child is preschool age, or I just had a child, like, when do I send them? My, my personal preference would be the early years. Um, My focus is making sure that we set that foundation up early. And that if there are any learning needs that come about, that they have access and the ability to um, the educators to see that, right. And to intervene in the time when it is incredibly necessary. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of the times parents don't get the information, the access that their child has been struggling until later on in the public school system. And that's typically when they end up in the private school system. So I would say earlier on, if you can financially afford it, is incredible. And again, as you said, with the ratios, that's, that was a huge thing for me when I worked at a school where I had 30, 31 kids in my kindergarten classroom, it was me and an ECE. My ECE was incredible. She was so supportive and amazing, which, which is not always the case. It depends on the educator, um, sorry, the teacher ECE dynamic and making sure that that is cohesive. But in addition to that, then in the next year, sorry, the year before that, I'm getting my years confused with COVID. Who knows what year is what? The year before I worked in an independent school where I had 17 students in my class and two certified teachers. And I saw- That's crazy. It, it's crazy. It That's is crazy. crazy. It's, it's amazing. amazing. And I saw I what was possible that- in education. And I think that really showed me- there, there are gaps. And that's why in the public school system with kindergarten, I'm at this, I'm at this crossroads between like, I know there's so many good things that come out of it, but the ratios to me are just not, um, they're not in line. What we know research-based, like the kindergarten document that was created in consultation with Dr. Charles Pascal, he, he intended for lower ratios. Um, so I think that's important to note as well is that the ratios make a huge difference. So that's an important factor to consider. Some children do thrive. If there's 30 students in the class, they can do really well. I've had a number of students who have, but there are students 
because every child is unique who need a more individualized approach. And Paige, need- where were you last year, man? I, <laughs> I had my We can still talk. Our- it's not too oh late. God, it's not I too late. Just, it's not too late. Don't that's I don't want I don't want parents think, to panic because no, it's I, not it's not a panic mode right now. It's not now. a panic mode. There there are there And are, it was COVID, so that's very different. And now a word from our mom Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Kids and Company is Canada's leading provider of childcare with over 100 locations across the country and in the United States. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And with 20 years of experience in the childcare space comes a ton of innovation in how they cater to their families. They have in-classroom webcams, an app that provides daily updates for parents, a from-scratch menu, and wonderful high-quality educators. These are just a few of the amazing things about Kids and Company. My daughter attends one of their centers and I can vouch for how incredible they are, far beyond others we've attended. They're offering families who register and start care by July 31st, 2022, a waived registration fee that applies to new registrations only. Call their team at one eight six six my kidco to register for this offer. You won't regret it. Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers, Training Pants, and Sensitive Wipes at Walmart today. It was COVID, and I do think that people don't really understand how big this ratio thing is. And I, I want to say yeah. two things on that. Number one, on a totally personal note, mm-hmm. when my kids, when my kiddos' public school closed down, I put them in a private Catholic school, and okay. it didn't dawn into me until really much later. Like they thrived in that school, the level mm-hmm. of tension, what they were learning. My son keeps asking for French, and and, and oh, yeah, because they started in kindergarten. Yeah, they started in kindergarten, and 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 he really was doing quite well in that school. And I'm sort of kicking myself a bit. I think, Paige, this is the average person's experience. And I'm just going to speak from personal experience. Yeah, You are a young adult. You're a working woman. You have been coached your whole life to be the best of your career. And then you fucking have a kid and you had to take a year off mat leave. And you're like, oh my God, I'm like sort of at the bottom of the totem pole. Like, don't forget about me. I'm still a professional and I want my career. Yeah. So you sort of like maybe like try to get your kiddo into any daycare system so that mm-hmm. you can go back to work. And you want to yeah. sort of have that piece of your life that's defined outside of the household. Yeah. And then your kiddo is in daycare, like with Elias. He started at 10 months old. Mm-hmm. And I was paying $2,600 a month for daycare. Oh, yeah. And as he got older, okay, it was like $2,100, yes. $1,700. So when he, under public school, was like, hooray, we don't have this financial <laughs> burden anymore. Yes. And now I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, I probably could be spending $700 a month on a pretty good independent school. And he would get superior attention. I'm in love with my public school. Don't be wrong. I love our school community. I think our teachers are fabulous, but there is this sort of devil on my shoulder and not a devil, maybe an angel a bit telling me like, (laughs) you know, if I can, you know, sort of grin and bear it. And we have tons of financial burdens with lots of little kids in my household, but like, if I, if I could do one thing, I never really understood the importance of the school in mm-hmm. my kids' life and how the teachers, yeah. the ecosystem, the friendships they make, the area that we choose to live. So I'll give you yeah, another point. So true. 
this this the system where you rank the schools, the, what's it called? That ranking? That's oh like, yeah, the EQA ranking. So based on EQA results, the in the housing market, they rank schools by EQAO scores, which isn't, I mean. <laughs> okay. So when I bought the house in this neighborhood, I have a friend who's like very type A. And she's like, did you check the school's ranking? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, did you check the score? And I was like, uh, okay. So I'm like Googling the score of my local school. Yeah. Like of all the schools, it's like out of a 10 points. Mm-hmm. And my kid's school was like 3.2. And I was like in the top. lowest of like the entire and the entire ecosystem was like oh my god I felt like I was doomed that I had moved to this to this catchment with my public school that like Mm -hmm. full ranking was one of the lowest in the city and I was like I never (laughs) thought to consider this shit so to me it was a very anxiety provoking moment and I'm not an anxious person but when it comes to my kid I was I'll I'll cut a bitch yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll fucking cut a bitch yeah Um, I know I flipped page. I was like, what did I, I do? Bet. If the school is good, it's totally fine. I'm totally happy with it. And that's it's the great. thing. Parents get too caught up with these HBO yeah. scores. But I didn't even know because I'm not that person. I was not that anxious person who cared about those things. But now I'm thinking about it, Paige. Tell me, preach girl. Tell me what's up. I mean, eh. <laughs> it's hard. Like, yes, a lot of, and a lot of realtors too will be like, oh, the score is like eight out of eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 or whatever it is. And the prices go up in those neighborhoods. And I wonder why, right? Um, I mean, it, it's so dependent. So I will say it a hundred percent depends on the administrator. And again, administrators can change every few years, every year, midway through the year, they can change. I, I had three really, last year. We had three principals last year at my kids. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I've worked in many different public schools in Toronto. I've worked in many different independent schools and it honestly comes down to the administration. And that's a huge part of it. What, uh, what access do they give their educators to professional development? What resources are available in the school? How, how good are they with communication with parents, with the teachers, with having a cohesive environment? That's to me, what it really, what it, what is really important and also making yeah. sure that the teachers in that school, again, teachers can change throughout the year. They can change every few years. It really depends. So I don't, I don't honestly really focus on those EQA scores as much. Like a lot of people would think that that's the end all be all. Um, but it really depends, right? Like you could be in a school environment like that. And then your child attends grade one, let's say, and they have a teacher who's not a good fit for them. Right. So again, those numbers kind of would be irrelevant at that point. Um, so I think it's just so dependent. And again, with choosing just because you're in an area that's like what a three out of 10 or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a private school environment. Right. I think what I want parents to know too, it really depends on what your goals are for your child. Right. Like if you know that your child has a learning need and they need more individual ap- approach to learning yeah. and they're not getting it, yeah. then that's that's the time to consider something different. That's, or that's, that's causing me pause right now because we do have a tutor that I hired for my kiddo and I he's oh, nice. with a tutor um once a week. He has half an hour on Fridays with somebody I'm splitting with another family. Oh nice. It is causing me pause, Paige. And maybe because I I spoke to, I know we have a few educational people in our expert system, but I grew mm-hmm. up with disability that wasn't defined until the until the fourth grade or something yeah. and I could have fallen through the cracks and I didn't mm-hmm. I used every resource I had so much individual and that's why I thrived that's in these and 
like yeah. I did universities and did well in university. Like I, I had that one-on-one support. So I don't know, Paige, it is really sitting on my shoulder being like, it's chirping at me. If I can make this work and make some sacrifices or find those resources, I would be super interested in private school. If all things were equal and there wasn't financial I know, I know. burden, I think everyone would do it. But I do think parents sort of come out of this, like, they think it's like this yoke, this shackle to the financial strain that is childcare. And then when you get into public school, they're like, oh shit, man, like I'm flush with cash. And they're, they're not thinking, or I, kn- I know plenty of people who are not, they're yeah. like, we don't want to continue with that financial burden, but maybe it's not Which so much so later fair. where they're like, fuck man, like my kid's <laughs> suffering. I should have, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. You're but people I think really don't realize until they don't know what they don't know. And then maybe it's a little bit late. So this exactly. is a podcast in a moment just to take, yeah. and get to, and ch- check out your kid out. Like, where's your kid at? Right. What do they need? What do you think? And they- I think that parents too, they've had a front row to their child's education for the past two years with this back and forth between online and in person. And I think it's really highlighted to parents, the gaps that are there in the education system and also just what their child's needs are, right? They've been able to see, okay, my child's doing online learning. Do they need flexible seat options? Do they need to get up and take breaks? They've really been able to see, oh, if my child has an individual education plan, these accommodations that they have are so important because it actually helps them succeed. Right. And, and that's, that's a, I mean, that's a whole nother piece too about accommodations and individual education plans and how that all works. But as you were saying too, like even with external support. So I've worked with a number of students as a tutor who are in the public school system who really don't want to leave and maybe they can't financially afford it, but they want to hire a tutor and they want to work someone one-on-one. So let's say I was working with students with reading and remediation. So making sure that that child, if they were in grade four and they were at a grade two reading level, helping them continue to progress along with that. Yeah, because that's not necessarily always offered um, in the public school environment on a one-on-one yeah. Yeah. Um, note. And if your child doesn't have that psychoeducational report done, right, right then... It's expensive, by the way. It is. Yeah. Privately, it is very expensive. expensive yeah. um, so you can do it through the public school system. There is opportunity for that. It Again, it depends on the board. Sometimes it takes a few months. Um and the last I heard, it wasn't usually starting until about grade three. I think it is when they will assess. That's right. Um, that's so if you're I looking for caught. something. I know this just personally, cause that's when I was caught with my learning. Yeah. So I just, I think like to me, it's just such a, it hits. And that's why I love having so many educational experts and resources on our, mm-hmm. on our sort of roster, because this hits so close to home for me. Yeah, um, totally. That's why, like, I think this is such an important conversation. Okay. So let's shift gears a bit. Let's mm-hmm. talk about private school. We have some tips from you, um, Paige, which is the five tips for selecting a private school. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to give some air on this because I think there's certain, there's two sort of, I think, um, discourses here, which is like, um, those who are big proponents for public school and those are huge yeah. proponents for private school. And yeah. I, I came from public school. I believe in public school. Yep. I also am curious about private school. So, <laughs> um, let's talk about it. Five tips yep. for selecting a, a private school. You say, number one, zone in on your child's strengths and needs. Tell us about that child's strengths and needs. Go for yeah. it. So what, if your child has an IEP individual education plan that you already have a list of their strengths and needs, um, but if they don't, or if their IEP is not the great representation of who your child actually is, that's a whole nother story again. 
Um, it is important just to write out a list and this can be anything. It doesn't have to just be academic, social, emotional needs, um, physical, anything along those lines. You want to get a full picture of who your child is before you're selecting a private school. Um, you really want to make sure that the school you're, because the school you need to select, first of all, if your child has academic needs, yeah. if you need, um, one-on-one reading options, or you need, um, I'm trying to think of what else off the top of my head. Wait, 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 wait. hold the phone. Hold yeah. One-on-one reading options is an option? In some private schools, yes. So the last school that I worked in. (laughs) So my son needs all day, every day. So again, so again, this is very dependent on individual need and the school it's, there's, there's a few different schools. It's, it's, it's super dependent, right? So your child needs to come in with an IEP. You need to have a recent assessment um, to make sure that we understand the private school understands who your child is, but yeah, that is an option, some one-on-one or small group. So a small group can be like two to four students. A lot of schools as well also have guided reading groups that happen. Um, so that does happen in the public school system, but I, it also just depends on um, the teacher's philosophy and how they go about it. But um, so anyways, yeah, zoning on your child's strengths and needs. So that is a huge part of it because even so if your child has academic needs, then that is important to tune into. Also, if your child is incredibly athletic and they need specific options, like just say they want to play field hockey and they want opportunities in that, looking for a school that's going to have those extracurricular options for them mm-hmm. or not even just athletics, but clubs too, right? A lot of different schools offer clubs and that's important piece of a child and which we've known throughout these past two years, how important extracurricular and just social involvement, um, how important it is for children. So yeah, once you've narrowed that down, it'll really give you a better indication of what type of school you're looking for. There are small, medium, and large size private schools, and not all of them are going to be a good fit for your child. So I think that's the most important thing to note is that just because they're the big names, yeah. especially in Toronto, just because they're the big names doesn't mean they're going to be a good fit for your child. Um, so making sure that you have that list will help guide you in your selection. I'm going to also say for on the record mm-hmm. that there's a mom that I really like. She's probably 10 years my vintage. Like she's a little bit older than me. She yeah. has four kiddos and she sends her kids to a co-ed, non-denominational local private school. And I had never even yeah. heard of it before. And okay. I started researching it. I was like, that looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it, I had never even heard of it because it wasn't one of the big private schools. I think yeah. I'm also hearing today's page is like my aha moment. It's like, there are many different types of public so and many heavy. different private and so many independent schools that like, if you're thinking about these things, it's time to do some research and call. Yeah. You can give me a call. Okay. Let's go. I know all two. about them. Make a list of non-negotiables. Talk us through that. Yeah. So some parents really want to make sure access to outdoor space. They want to have, there's some beautiful campuses specifically in Toronto, even on the outskirts, they have beautiful greenery. They have forests, they have lots of um, outdoor education opportunities. So some families that is incredibly important to them. You need to make sure that that's on your list. So you could have, like, it doesn't have to be 10, 10 things long. It could be three things, right? And maybe you need outdoor space. Maybe you only want it to be no, no, no more than a 20 minute drive, or maybe, um, yeah, one of your non-negotiables is that you want it to be a co-ed environment. So then that already takes out a bunch of um, single-sex schools out of your list. I'm not kidding. I was just researching some schools. Okay. <laughs> I will stop being <laughs> looking at local private schools that I can afford. Okay. Think, think big picture. What does that mean? 
So you really want to think of how long your child's going to attend the school for. So is this going to be a school they're starting in kindergarten and they're going all the way to grade 12? Because there are schools that do that. Um, is your child going to be starting for middle school and they're just going from middle school until, or junior high, I guess, until they switch to high school? Or is this going to be just a high school environment? So there's a lot of different scenarios. It's important to think of what you, and again, you can always change your mind. So many parents change schools, but you want to think long-term. So however long you plan on sending your child for, you want to make sure that it's going to be um, the environment that you need. If you, if you need it from K to 12, it's going to provide the opportunities that you hope are there for your child, right? And of course, when your child's in kindergarten, you don't necessarily know what their interests are, right? To a full degree. So you really want to make sure that they have ample opportunities so that if your child does go in one direction or the other, there is that option for them. Um, so yeah, I really always encourage parents just to make sure that they think about what they need from the school and include that in uh, their school selection. I love that. I think that's really important. And I never really thought of it that way. Um, and I might ask you a, a question. Remind me, I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. I'm write it down. Okay, let's get to your next tip. Visit the campus. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember back when I looked at universities, that was a huge piece of it, right? That is a, with COVID, it's different. Things are changing. I mean, we have to listen to directives based on each school and what they're comfortable with. Each school, majority schools right now have a, a virtual tour that they'll take you through. Even my daughter's daycare, when I was selecting it during COVID, they had a virtual option. Um, so going in person really gives you just the full picture of what the campus feel is like, what um, the environment is like, what the service options are, and just if it's going to meet your needs. Like I remember when I selected my university, I went I went to her like four and when I walked on one of the campuses, I was like, this is home. This is where I want to be. You get that gut that gut feeling that this is going to be a good environment for you. And just talking to the admissions department and or sometimes schools have students who will take you on tours, which is great too, because then you get to see it from a student's perspective. Um, so it kind of gives you a better indication of what environment is going to be best for your child too. Okay, I'm going to stop looking at the school that I think I'm in love with. And I want to see what I can't afford. I'm interested to hear what school this is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you later because I just yeah, send it to me. Really yeah, yeah, no. Any names? Um, yeah. Okay, so I, I love that so much. Visit the campus. Okay, your last, last question here, or your last tip is bring a list of questions. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is more, I mean, you can definitely bring questions to your visit or compile a list of questions when you initially contact the school. But if you get to the interview process, it's incredibly important to provide um, a list of questions for the school that shows not only your interest, um, but it really just shows your, your demonstration, your commitment to wanting to work with the school. And that's what a lot of private schools are looking for. They want parents who are going to, they're going to have a cohesive relationship with them and it's going to be a back and forth, um, in yeah, relationships. So in general, I would just always make sure it doesn't have to, again, it doesn't have to be a lot. I would say like three to five is, is more than enough. Okay. I love that. And um, it goes a little bit deeper too. It's not just like, do you have, um, lunch options, right? <laughs> you want it to be something a little more thorough. Yeah. I love that. And maybe, and maybe somebody were to talk to you page, that's something you could coach them on is the right questions to ask, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A hundred percent. We can yeah. definitely, that's part of my support options, which we can talk about is helping parents prepare for that process. So I would sit down with parents and we could put together a few questions that they could ask um, the admissions team when they get to that part of the interview. 
Guys, can you even believe that we have a person with this level of, <laughs> you are schooling me. I am having the aha moments here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm helping you out. I think you are. And I think so many of our listeners and fans and friends have kiddos at this exact age and stage. And maybe they're mm-hmm. noticing for the first time in that JK, SK class that maybe it's not really the right fit, right? Um, yeah. Maybe they themselves came from a pedigree in which they were always part of pu- private school. And that's just what they have picked. Um and those yep. are honestly the only kiddos that I know going to private school are that they did, their parents grew up in private school and it was already decided for them, right? And that's already, that's, they've already yeah. allocated the budget and that's just what it is, right? There was no, never a conversation about prep. Yeah, usually okay. that's, I mean, the bigger, I worked in all girls private school and that was typically what came down. It was when they came for a tour, it was their mother went there, their grandmother went there. Sometimes their great grandmother went there, right? Um, that happened in my family too, right? I had my my grandmother and my aunt all go to the same school and it's, it's a family system at that point. It's like the university level we were talking about earlier. Right. 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 And I didn't have, my siblings didn't go to any universities. I was the first to go. So they like, I know, I know allegiance, but it was interesting to me as an outsider. I want to say outsider to like notice those, those paradigms. Right. And was a, was haves and have nots. I'm just going to put it there page. Right. Like I, yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up in an affluent neighborhood and we were not necessarily an affluent family. We're like hardworking middle-class people, but like, yeah. but I saw it. Right. And I've, I also have cruised with and lived with and friends with every mm-hmm. ecosystem, every socioeconomic status. And it, depending on what schools I was going to that time, that sort of indicated and was the barometer of the friendship of those sorts of people in which I met. Right. Yeah, definitely. But I happened to go to a high school that was an extremely affluent area that's the sort of people that I ended up being friends with. So it, it really, 100%. for me, it's aha moment that it really does matter what school you go to. And I hate to say that <laughs> I really thought it didn't really matter, but as I'm getting older, I think I realize like <laughs> it matters, right Paige? It does. And there's so many things to it. And like, that's where some parents can get discouraged, right? Cause it's like, I can't afford private school. It's like, okay, well, what other options, like what support options can we put into place to give your child the support that they need, right? Because there's definitely support options available and we need to make sure that every family has access to what their child needs. It's just going to be very, uh, very dependent on their situation. I'm saying I love it. I love it. And my mic is shut because I can't. Oh. Up. And I'm going to send you the name <laughs> of the school and I want your opinion on it later. But anyway, okay, great. Uh, if, if, if people hear nothing else today, Paige, what is mm. the one message you want people to hear? and take home and think about? Yeah, I would say in my approach, at least that every child is different. I know people just say that, but really and truly they are. And they do require approach that meets their learning style and meets who they are as a person. I want parents to know that whether they're not being listened to, or they feel unheard that there is somebody out there who is going to lend an ear and help them understand what their child needs to succeed, regardless of the environment they're going to be in whether it's public school or private school or whatever their, their goal is as their family. God Paige, you should have a podcast. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Launch a podcast. Thank you. you. Have like, you have administrators from all these schools coming on and talking about yeah, that'd be a great idea. Differentiate. I mean, that's a moneymaker right there. Maybe we paid it beyond that. I'm keen sure. to learn more about this. I think it's fascinating. I think you're fascinating and I've actually learned Thanks, a lot Anna. about you in this call. So that's really awesome. Paige, if that's people want to find you, can you just drop your coordinates please? Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram renew educate at renew education. Um, you can also visit my website, www.reneweducation.ca. Um, we can also put it in the show notes or something. I also have my email address. Um, and parents can book 
a complimentary 15 minute discovery call with me. If they're just curious to learn a little bit more, they're like, okay, I want to know more, but I can't fully commit yet. Um, I can definitely walk them through the process and I have three different support plan options. So whether your child just needs help navigating uh, their IEP and changing that up, changing up their support and the resource options, or maybe as we talked about today, finding a private school environment, or maybe you just need a whole overhaul. (laughs) You need help with your child's IEP, finding a new private school. I offer that option as well. So I definitely um, encourage you to reach out for a discovery call. I love that page. I think you're full of wisdom and that's why I love this podcast and I love our experts because I think there's such the wisdom cup just continues to run over. And I personally benefit obviously from these conversations and learning so much about the ecosystem. So thank you, Paige. Thank you listeners. Have a great day, evening, whatever it is when you're listening. So thanks everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.